I definitely grew up believing that there was a lesson in everything and I grew up looking for that lesson. I think that that is what has made me a chronic overthinker and I think in some ways that has been my superpower because Welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I am so pleased to have my guest here today, Sarah Michelle, and I'm really excited to get to talk to you about this concept of things happening that we think are not good things um, and having them give birth to things that are really rather wonderful. It's such a great viewpoint on resilience. So I can't wait to uh, to hear what you've got to say about that. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, you know, on this podcast, we do, we sort of touch on things that went wrong. <laughs> and then we really want to get to that part that is about like finding that new you, really reinventing yourself. And your story is so brilliantly oriented in that way. I can't wait to hear about it. So give us a little background. Yeah, absolutely. So I am an accidental entrepreneur. I'm a brand strategist. I work with business leaders and help them figure out who they are and how to tell people. And I stumbled into it accidentally. I never planned on being a business owner. It wasn't something that I ever wanted, um, but I, I grew up very religiously, very traditionally. So as goes the traditional way, I met my husband uh, fairly early in my 20s, got married at 24. And after a short, not super great marriage, I thought that we had worked everything out. So we were planning on having a family. And we decided to pursue an adoption, something that I'd always wanted to pursue. And up until that point in my life, I had been the really quintessential good girl. I followed all the rules. I was very devout in my faith. I was very responsible. I didn't go out and party. I didn't really date a lot. And I think that I had been sort of led to believe the narrative that if I just followed all the rules, life would be perfect. And the only reason that other people in this world have problems are because they didn't follow the rules. And if I was a good girl, I would have a good life, which is not true at all. Uh, but I believed that for a really long time. And about four years in my marriage, we started pursuing the adoption and my husband was very traditional. And so he wanted me to leave my corporate job and stay home with babies. And I know myself well enough to know that I needed something to keep myself engaged while I was changing diapers. And so I decided to start my own business and I really started it to be a hobby. It was just meant to be something fun and cute. I wanted to use my marketing expertise and just give free or really affordable marketing advice to small businesses. So I worked on that for about a year and built up this really fun, cute hobby business. And in the final phase of our adoption, my husband really abruptly and unexpectedly realized that he wasn't ready to be a father or a husband. He canceled the adoption and just stopped talking to me. And that led to the worst season of life that I've ever gone through. It was very confusing. It was very scary. I had no idea if he just was freaking out about being a dad, if he was cheating on me, if he didn't want to be married anymore. And for a good few months, I really struggled with, okay, I'm doing all the things that I've been told. If you do these things, you'll have a successful marriage. If you do these things, you'll have a successful life. 
And I was killing myself trying to be this perfect Christian, this perfect person, and it wasn't working. And I just remember basically living on my bathroom floor for a couple months, just crying and throwing up all the time. I was so sick with confusion and grief. Um, We were still living in the same house, but he wasn't acknowledging my existence. So I didn't know what to do with that. I was trying to reach out for advice and I was being told, well, you know, divorce is a sin. So, you know, maybe put on some better lingerie and hope it works out and which is really not helpful advice. And it just compounded guilt and shame. And eventually I moved out temporarily just because I had friends that were really concerned about me. I wasn't very healthy at that time. And during that time by myself, I really struggled with wrestling with, okay, what do I do? Do I leave the marriage? Do I stay in the marriage? I really struggled with that, with wanting to do the right thing, but also with coming to terms that this was an unhealthy relationship. It was an abusive relationship. I had to learn what abuse meant. I always thought that that meant, you know, someone hitting you or physical, and that was not my case. I never experienced physical abuse. I didn't even really experience verbal abuse. It was very covert. It was a lot of times just in control and withdrawing his love if he wasn't happy with me. So I really had to understand those dynamics. And as time went on, I ended up uh, filing papers. I ended up walking away from that relationship through a long, painful, just total, I don't know if I can curse on this show, but a mind-mucking process, um, shall we say. It was really challenging. And at the time that I realized that there was no way to save this, I was on my own, he had drained all of our savings. He took all of our money and moved it into a private account, left me with nothing but an overdrawn account and baby clothes in the closet. And all I had was my little hobby business. I was only making 500 a month and it was the holiday season. So no corporate jobs were hiring. So I had to become a real business really quickly. And that process of being forced to find a way to generate my own income, being forced to become a business, I learned so much about myself in the process. And the same process that I used with clients to help them figure out the identity of their business, I found that I was using to rebuild my own identity. And what I found through that was that I thought that I had a strong sense of self, but actually I had given so much of myself to trying to be the perfect Christian or the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perfect employee that I really didn't have a strong semblance of identity. My life was about trying to be what I thought others would want me to be or what would make me good. And so that process, it took a long time and I had to really rebuild myself as I built a business and over time found a way to somehow generate enough income to take care of myself and my two dogs. Uh, My business became several different brands. I still help businesses with identity strategy, brand strategy, but it's definitely more half advertising, half psychology. There's always parallels between the business and the business owner. I also host my own podcast now. And so it's been, it was a really great process that brought me to where I am. And then after working really hard and getting it scaled up to sort of a survivable place, we were hit with a global pandemic. 
So that kind of knocked me right back to where I started. And then I worked really hard to keep my doors open through the pandemic. And for me, it was eye-opening of realizing codependency that I didn't realize I had. I had this perceived safety that there was safety in belonging to someone else, whether that was my parents taking care of me or my husband taking care of me or an employer taking care of me. And what I realized through both of those crises in my life and through several other curveballs in my life, I am the only person who will ever show up for myself 100% of the time. And I am capable of that. And it was really eye-opening to see, you know, I thought that safety was in having a consistent paycheck. I thought that safety was in having a husband. I thought that safety was in following the rules, bound in religion and Really, the only safety is being truly yourself and being comfortable that no matter what happens in life, you're going to be okay. Yeah, these are really incredibly good points. I really relate to you talking about, I kind of think of it like a box. Like we build this life, which is meant to be joyous for us, but also creates boundary for who we can be and how we can be and what even what thoughts we have, right? Because we don't think about it. We don't ever think about it. Most people in that situation don't daily challenge themselves to think outside that box until one day there is no box and you go, I I don't have a husband anymore. I don't have a house. I don't have an income. Whatever that is that makes you feel like, oh my goodness, all the stability just went, which means I'm free. I'm free in a way that I didn't intend to be. Maybe I didn't even want to be, but I am. So what are you going to do with that freedom? How are you going to deal with being outside the box? And and does that give you the space to create wings for yourself as it did for you? Or does that uh, give you the desire to run and hide like a kitty cat under a bed, you know? Yeah, because it's terrifying. And I I remember growing up religiously, we would often hear the story of Pharaoh and Moses, you know, let my people go. All the Israelites are held as slaves. They're treated horribly. And Moses comes and, you know, there's all these plagues that prevent or try to prompt Pharaoh to let them go. And Pharaoh keeps changing his mind. Uh, It's a really cool story. But anyway, they finally escape and they're in the wilderness. They're finally free. They're not slaves anymore. And they all start whining and complaining, oh, we're in the wilderness. This is awful. We should just go back. We should go back to being slaves. And you read this from the outside perspective where, you know, there's somehow there's food for them every day, just enough for the day. They're warm at night. They're cool during the day. They're being taken care of, but they're in the wilderness. It's unknown. And there's a promised land, but they don't know that they're going to get there. They don't know what that's going to look like. And so they would rather go back to being slaves because that's what's familiar. And when you read that story or, you know, you watch the, um, the movie Prince of Egypt is a great interpretation of that. But you look back and you think that's crazy. Why would anyone want to go back to slavery? But then we find ourselves in those situations where it's like, well, I know that I hated my job and was mistreated, but... Maybe I should go back to that because it's really scary having to live, you know, come up with my own paycheck and live project to project. Or, well, I know that my marriage was really unhealthy and they didn't really love me, but, you know, maybe that was better than being single. Maybe I should go back. 
So I think that that's something that um, we all have to face. And I think Brene Brown uh, wrote the book Braving the Wilderness, I think is the name of it, and addresses that beautifully. I think that there's that, that internal struggle we have with we want what's promised with freedom, but often we're scared to death to walk through the middle question mark that gets us there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that um, that space of the unknown is a space that we can really practice, you know? So it's something that we can, no matter what the situation is, we can learn to be a part of on purpose if we choose to be, right? And it doesn't mean that we have to break up those parts of our lives that has happened to me, has happened to you, right? That's how we learned that lesson. But even if those things have not fallen apart for you, that there's a way for you to find that freedom without having to uh, make it be adversarial in your life, which is kind of amazing. And I think that practice piece is a big part of it. Did you find that you used any sort of practice during that space of the really big unknown of what am I going to do now? The biggest ongoing practice for me was meditation and learning how to be in the present. I think that I learned that anxiety lives in the future and depression lives in the past. And it really is a challenge to not create things to worry about. So I learned that anytime I played the what if game, what if this bad thing happens? What if that bad thing happens? I challenged myself to think of three positive what ifs. Well, what if this amazing thing happens? What if I'm super successful? What if this is for the best? And that was really challenging. The other thing that really helped was thinking of my life like a narrative or a story. And I don't remember where I read it, but I read this idea of being co-creators with the divine and... I don't, um, I don't hold any religious views anymore. So whatever divinity means to anyone, just this idea that of being a co-creator with the universe, I think for so many years, God was the narrator in my life. And so I had a very passive role of, well, you know, God's in charge. So I'm just going to sit back and whatever he does with my life, he's going to do with it. And I'm going to be very passive about it. And then Going through the divorce, I switched gears and became very controlling over my narrative and thought, well, I don't like this story. I don't want divorce to be a part of my story. I don't want abuse to be a part of my story. I don't even want entrepreneurship to be a part of my story. I want, I want my picket fence story. I want the, the role of wife and mom. And I really became controlling and fighting for that. And I think that this idea of being co-creators was something I had to practice of, you know what, I'm going to step back and trust that the universe is going to work things out to the best, but also I have an active role in making choices every day. It's like a choose your own adventure story. You know, there's some predetermined options that we might not have control over, but we always have control over our response and we always have the autonomy to choose our attitude about things, to choose if we're going to sink beneath the pressure or if we're going to climb out over it and rise above. And so that became something that I really had to practice every day was that balance of exhaling, stepping back and just trusting 
whatever happens, happens. But then also when given a choice, not being afraid to say, well, this is what I want. So I'm going to run after it. That's really a, a great explanation of how the world kind of works, right? How we participate in it and our participation counts, but it doesn't mean that we get to dictate, right? We don't get to say, hey, divorce is not part of my story. You just get back in here and we'll work it out, right? Um, and that, but we're always sort of co-creating. We're always in that role of together with that which is around us, right? With that which is in our brains and that which is as in our reality that, uh, you know, that we have. So that's, that's a really great thing to bring up and sort of give it a real dimension to, to understand that you can't have it, you can't be the dictator and you can't give over to a dictator, that there's something in between. So I love that uh, in relationship to something you said to me earlier about reframing. And reframing is such an important part of being able to walk through anything that is unpleasant. Uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and how that played into your world. Absolutely. So when I work with businesses and we think about business and branding, we always talk about how there's the inherent brand, there's the personality, the values, the story. There's these pieces that can't really change because it is what it is. And it's the same with people. We have our personality, we have our childhood, whatever we grew up with, we have our traumas, we have our experiences. We can't change any of that. But the movable piece with businesses and branding is brand positioning. We can choose how we want people to feel about something. And I had to learn how to do that in my own life because I was in a very religious circle that told me that I should feel shame, that I should feel like a failure. Divorce was just the worst thing. And I really believed that and I allowed that to be a part of my identity and I really had to do a lot of healing and a lot of growth and for me it happened through trying to network and build a business. I was so secretive and ashamed of telling people that I was divorced. I was so embarrassed to tell people that I had a failed marriage and I started slowly confiding in people if they would ask me direct questions like, you know, what actually is your last name? Because it takes a while to change that. So I had a little bit of an identity crisis with that. And, you know, what's the deal? Why do you have two different last names? And I would sort of sheepishly tell people like, oh, well, you know, I, I had to go through a divorce. And 99% of the time, people would say, oh, my gosh, I had that same thing happen. And thank goodness it's not just me. And... I found over and over that by being honest about what I went through, other people were like, oh, I went through that too. And there was something in the vulnerability of sharing that where you start to realize shame doesn't really have any power. Like we all go through things, we all experience it. And so I began to reframe my story. And instead of seeing it through a frame of failure and disappointment and shame, I started seeing it through this is an opportunity. And I love reading success memoirs or bios from people. And I realized that anyone that I read about that I was actually interested in, none of them had a life story of, I followed all the rules and everything was easy and I just naturally came to success. That is such a boring story. And I don't even know if that exists. The people who are really successful, they went through stuff. 
they had failures, whether it was life that had events and circumstances that failed them, whether they made mistakes that failed them. And I began to see my failures as tremendous opportunity of, you know, this just gives me a better Oprah book. You know, this just makes my story better because it's more that I'm overcoming. It's challenging me to be a better person. It's giving me resilience. It's building character. So I really started to reframe. And I think that there's something really powerful that happens when we look at the objective details of whatever's happening in our lives and we decide, you know what, there's going to be people on both sides. There's going to be people who love and hate this. I'm going to choose to love myself and my story. And I'm going to be okay that there's going to be people who don't because once we feel good about where we're at, criticism doesn't really hurt because we've already made peace with how we feel about it. And there's always going to be a 50-50 split. You're always going to find people who love or hate something And once you can embrace those, what's called polarizing qualities, those things that some people love, some people hate, and you take control of your narrative and you decide this is the frame that I want to see my life in, you start attracting people who also see it through that same frame. Yeah, that's right. And also you feel like you suddenly can participate in a really different way, right? Because this is the only life we have. So you might as well have it be the one that makes you happy every day. And also you might as well choose to be happy with it every day, right? So there's that back and forth that you've got to, you've got to embrace in order to get to those factors that make it unique, that make it yours, that allow people to find you, that allow you to show up in your brilliance, your brilliant light that is, and, you know, really be able to connect and impact both directions, right? Because you're connected to people that you really want to be connected with. Yeah, and that's so much of our power is being able to choose that, the power and freedom and being able to choose how we want to show up. And I think that we naturally do this thing called data mining, where whatever conclusion we have in our head, we inadvertently mine or look for data that supports that. And so if we have in our head, this is bad, this is a bad thing, this is a shameful thing, this is a failure, I'm never going to recover from this, we subconsciously look for evidence that supports that, and it ends up becoming this self-fulfilling prophecy, and I think that's how we get stuck. I think that when we decide instead, you know what, I'm going to decide that this is a good thing. I don't know how or what that's going to look like because it feels pretty crappy right now, but I'm going to choose to believe that this is just the middle of the story or maybe the beginning, not the end. And then we start to look for more positive evidence. And I I grew up, um, you know, believing that all of the hippie sounding things were just kind of floozy and not real. And there's actually a lot of science behind practicing gratitude and this idea of choosing how we want to see the world and showing up with gratitude. You can quite literally rewire your brain in about 21 days if you practice gratitude every day. And sometimes it's really hard. I don't think that it's about um, just having a plucky good attitude and silver lining clouds. I'm a big believer in feeling your feels. I think it's quite rude to silver line someone else's clouds. But I also think that even in the moments where everything was hard and maybe the only thing I could be thankful for is that I put on pants that day or you know that I was able to eat a granola bar, which... 
I really wasn't doing very well during a lot of that grief. Just the practice of trying to look for things to celebrate, trying to look for things to be positive, that became sort of the the helping tool that helped me climb out of that. And you start to look for more reasons to celebrate. Yeah. And you can find them, which is amazing, right? You, in the beginning, I think a lot of people, when we practice, we practice in the way that we relate to each other. We practice the opposite of that, right? We, we are constantly practicing problem solving. So problem solving is the opposite of a gratitude practice, essentially. And not to say that it's bad, but that it has a place and that it should be used only in that place because sometimes you really do have to solve the problems, right? You do have to think like, okay, I need food or I should run away from the bad thing that's happening or whatever it is. But, uh, but it isn't a way of life that is going to yield the kind of results where you get to be in joy, and that's really the, the purpose of all of this, right? I mean, here we are going through our lives. And if we're not having a good time, then why bother, right? So this kind of uh, brings me to this topic uh, that we touched on in an earlier interview that's about purpose. So uh, a lot of times people say they, they take this thing that is kind of what we're talking about, right? Which is like a bad thing happened and a good thing came from it. And they sort of twist it just a little bit into a bad thing happened and there's a lesson in it that I am learning and that I'm going to have to be in a uncomfortable position until I learn the lesson. So back to your good girl syndrome, right? If I could just be better, if I could just learn the lesson, then I could move forward. Even some spiritual practices believe that you will ascend to another level when you complete that level, right? And so let's talk a little bit about that because I know you're very opinionated and I'd love to hear about that. I am. I definitely grew up believing that there was a lesson in everything. And I grew up looking for that lesson. I think that that is what has made me a chronic overthinker. And I think in some ways that has been my superpower because I, I am a wisdom spelunker, if you will. Um, I just, I dig for wisdom and life lessons and I think that they're all around me. However, like everything, it needs to be in balance. I also think that it can make you a little crazy and it can keep you from actually just living your life and being a sane human and enjoying life. So I, I really hate the expression that everything happens for a reason. I, I hate it. I, I don't think everything happens for a reason. I think that people commit mindless acts of harm all the time. I think that good people have bad things happen to them all the time. I think it's incredibly hurtful to tell someone who is watching their child struggle with cancer or who has just lost a loved one or who is going through a divorce that, you know, God has a reason for it or that everything happens for a reason and you're going to learn a lesson through this. And I just think that's incredibly harmful. And for me, it was really hard going through my divorce. And I did have people tell me, well, everything happens for a reason, you know, God's in control and he'll lead you to this. And I was like, well, you said all that when I got married. So if God led me to marry this person just to walk me through a painful divorce just so I could learn a lesson. 
that seems really sick and twisted. That's not an act of love. That's not healthy. And so I think that we can have redemption in everything. I don't know that there is necessarily an inherent reason or purpose for why anything happens, but I do think that going back to that autonomy, we can choose. I don't think we have control over some of the things that happen in life. Other people are going to make decisions that can hurt us. The world is going to have things that you know, are against our plans. We can't control that, but we always have control over our attitude and our response. And I think that purpose can be created from anything. So when I think about my situation and I think about going through a divorce and having to figure out how to generate my income and trying to untangle harmful religious beliefs in that whole process, I don't know that I can say that it happened for a reason or that, you know, there was this beautiful purpose in the tragedy of my life, but I think that I have responded to it. I have built a business that I otherwise wouldn't have. I've become a person that I don't know if I would have, if I hadn't have had that wake up moment and come back to myself. And I think that going through that has helped me live more intentionally, but also live with less stress because I don't have to control things. I don't have to look for purpose in everything. I, I just trust that whatever happens, if I continue to show up and do the best I can with what I have every day, it's going to be a good ending. That is a really great uh, thing to point out, is that if I continue to do the best that I can do, and by that, when I hear that, I hear, if I continue to move my mood in the direction of feeling better, of relief, which eventually turns into contentment and satisfaction and joy, right? You can go in that direction. Then the things around me start to change. The things I notice, as you said, uh, start to change. And you data mine for something different, right? You data mine for beauty and love and joy and playfulness and all of the things that you are on your list of things that you want, you know. Uh, so that's that's a, a really good reframing. That's a great uh, description of, of how reframing can really make a big impact, right? Yeah, yeah. it makes a Thank huge you. difference. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been really amazing to hear. Whenever somebody walks through something quite difficult, right, you had problem after problem after problem that you didn't ask for, you didn't want, you didn't think was a good thing in the moment. Uh, you didn't think like, oh, it's going to be sunny tomorrow, right? You weren't trying to trick yourself into something that, it, right? You found an authentic and positive response at the same time. And that, I think, is uh, one of those small miracles of the world that should happen all the time, every time, every day to everybody. So we just call it a miracle, but it's not very rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming here and talking to us. And of course, we will link everything for uh, how to get in touch with you. If you're listening to this right now and you uh, relate to this, please put a comment somewhere on whatever platform you're on. Let us know that this... Uh, touches you, that you know what this feels like, or that you're ready to move to that next level 
of, yeah, I walked through it and I'm doing the best I can, but now I want to do better and better and better. And if that's a personal thing, you can reach out to me directly. And if it's a business thing, you should definitely reach out to Sarah Michelle. So thank you so much and uh, keep in touch with us, people. (laughs) Yes, yes, you're welcome. Thank you.